Hello, sports fans, and welcome to another edition of Yesterday Sports on the Sports History Network. And make sure to check out sportshistorynetwork.com slash giveaways. I have two signed books I'm giving away. One is titled No Nonsense Old School Weight Training, and the other is Reliving 1970s Old School Football. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Greetings, everyone. From the Garden State of New Jersey, this is Ringside with Reading, Boxing History from Yesteryear, brought to you by the Sports History Network. I am your host, Frank Redding. Welcome. I have titled this segment, The Top Pound-for-Pound Boxers of All Time, Part 1. I am going to focus on three of the top men who ever laced up a pair of gloves in the history of the art of the self-defense, the sweet science. These are the ingredients I used. Longevity, consistency, record, championships, competition, and impact. Number one is Walker Smith Jr., better known as Sugar Ray Robinson. His career lasted from 1940 to 1965. He was born on May the 3rd of 1921 in Detroit, Michigan. His family relocated to New York City. Many boxing experts and historians consider this gentleman the best that ever lived. A total package and sweet as sugar. He compiled an 85-0 record as an amateur. However, some dispute this, saying that he actually lost a few belts. He was a New York Golden Glove champion in 1939 as a featherweight and 1940 as a lightweight. He turned pro in 1940 and won his first 40 fights in a row until losing to Jake LaMotta on February 5, 1943 in Detroit, Michigan. This was his second fight of a series with Jake. Jake holds the distinction of beating Sugar Ray Robinson at his very best, but it would be eight and a half years until Sugar Ray lost another fight. On December 20th of 1946, Robinson won his first world championship, the welterweight championship of the world. He had a record of 74 wins, one loss, and one draw when he challenged for the title. He won a 15-round decision in New York City over Tommy Bell. These were the days, ladies and gentlemen, when boxing had eight weight classes and one world champion. This is pre-alphabet soup era. The great Sugar Ray, it took him six years before he fought for the championship and 76 fights. He defended the welterweight title five times in his first title defense on June 24th of 1947. He knocked out Jimmy Doyle in Cleveland, Ohio in eight rounds. He had a bad feeling and a premonition before this fight began. He even tried to pull out and cancel to no avail. He dreamed that Doyle would be seriously injured. His dream proved to come true. 
Doyle died from his injuries shortly thereafter. He moved up in weight to campaign as a middleweight. February 14, 1951, the St. Valentine's Day Massacre had occurred in Chicago, Illinois. It was his sixth and final bout with Jake LaMotta. He stopped Jake in 13 rounds. LaMotta is likely his greatest rival. He fought him a total of six times and won five fights and lost one. On July 10th of 1951 in London, England, he lost to countryman Randy Turpin, 15-round decision. On September 12th, 1951, two months later, in New York City, he won a 15-round decision over Turpin, avenging that defeat. He defended the title a total of two more times against Bobo Olsen and Rocky Graziano. In an attempt to win the light heavyweight championship of the world from Joey Maxim in New York City on June 25, 1953, the heat was too much to bear, and he did not come out for the 14th round. After an observation, I noticed that Sugar Ray had very thin legs. It could have possibly hindered his success at higher weights. After retiring temporarily, he would capture the middleweight championship of the world three more times, defeating Carl Bobo Olsen, Gene Fulmer, and Carmen Basilio. The second fight with Fulmer, he knocked Gene out in five rounds, one of the greatest left hooks ever thrown, and a devastatingly single great punch. He lost to Paul Pender twice and never was able to regain the title again. He would continue to fight until 1965, retiring at the end of the year. At welterweight, he was close to unbeatable. At middleweight, he was very good, great even, but he was beatable at the middleweight class. He amassed a record of 175 wins, 121 knockouts, 19 losses, 6 draws, and 2 no contests. That is a total, ladies and gentlemen, of 202 fights. He is the measuring stick for greatness, setting the bar and standard for all greats to come that would follow. The number two man I'm going to talk about is Henry Armstrong, Hammering Hank, born Henry Jackson in Mississippi on December 12, 1912. His career lasted from 1931 to 1945. After a very brief amateur career, he turned pro and started with a very lackluster one win and four defeats. That was in 1931. With a record of 74 wins, 12 losses, and 7 draws, that's 93 fights, he defeated Petey Saran in New York City on October 29, 1937 for his first world championship, the featherweight championship of the world. By 1938, he won both the welterweight championship 
and the lightweight championship. On May 31st in 1938, he beat Barney Ross in a 15-round decision in New York City. On August 17th of 1938, he defeated Lou Ambers for the lightweight title in New York City, 15-round decision. He defended the welterweight championship of the world a total of 19 times. Incredible. Only boxer in history to hold three championships in three different weight divisions simultaneously. On August the 27th of 1943, in New York City, he lost a 10-round decision to up-and-coming Sugar Ray Robinson, a non-stop punching machine who in 1937 fought a total of 27 times, winning 27 fights with no losses and 26 knockouts. Absolutely unbelievable. He retired with a record of 152 wins, 100 knockouts, 22 losses, and 9 draws. He fought a total of 183 bouts, and after his boxing career was over, became an ordained Baptist minister later in life. Roberto Duran is the third man I'm going to cover in some detail. Hands of Stone, Manus de Pedra, born on June 16, 1951 in Panama. He turned pro after 16 amateur fights. In 1967, as a 15-year-old, is when his pro career began. He had a record of 29-0 and zero before he fought for the lightweight championship of the world on June 26, 1972 in New York City. In 13 rounds, he stopped Ken Buchanan, the lightweight champion of Scotland, for his first world championship. He defended the title a total of 12 times. On November the 17th of 1972, he lost a 10-round decision in a non-title fight to Esteban de Jesus in New York City. He avenged that loss twice, defeating de Jesus in brutal fashion with an 11th and 12th round knockout. A possible super fight with Alexis Arguello never materialized. He relinquished the lightweight title in 1979. His best and most dominant years were as a lightweight. Where at 135 pounds, ladies and gentlemen, he was practically indestructible. He was still dangerous at the higher weights, but not in the same league as he was as a lightweight. The pinnacle of his career came on June the 20th of 1980 in Montreal, Canada. He won a 15-round decision over Sugar Ray Leonard. Five months later, on November the 25th, 1980, in New Orleans, Louisiana, was the infamous no-moss fight. 
He was stopped in eight rounds by Leonard in the rematch. In 1982, he lost to Wilfred Benitez and lightly touted Kirkland Lang. He was 1983's Comeback Fighter of the Year. On January the 29th of that year, he knocked out former welterweight champion Pepino Cuevas in four rounds. On June the 16th, in New York City, he won a stop Davey Moore in a total of eight rounds to win the junior middleweight championship. He lost a 15-round decision to Marvelous Marvin Hagler for the middleweight championship of the world on November 10th. He lost the fight as true. However, he extremely frustrated the favorite Hagler. The very next year, ladies and gentlemen, on June the 15th of 1984, he suffered the most brutal knockout of his professional boxing career. Las Vegas, Nevada, June the 15th. He was knocked unconscious in two rounds by Thomas Hitman Hearns. He would go on to win seven more fights and lose one. On February the 24th of 1989, Roberto Duran was 37 years of age, ladies and gentlemen. He challenged Iran Barkley for the WBC Middleweight Championship of the World. Just when you thought Duran was finished and never failed, he rose to the occasion and pulled an upset 12-round decision over a very large middleweight. Later in that year, on December 7th of 1989, he lost a 12-round decision in the rubber match to Sugar Ray Leonard, Las Vegas, Nevada. Leonard suffered a very bad cut and the 11th round over his left eye. Duran would fight on for a dozen more years, retiring in 2001 at the age of 50. His career lasted from 1967 to 2001. He is a member of the Five Decade Club, which meant that he fought in five different decades, from 1960, 70, 80, 90, into the 2000s. He won titles in four different weight classes and had a total of 119 fights, 103 wins, 70 knockouts, and 16 losses. In June of 2020, at the age of 69, he survived a hospital stay with the COVID-19 virus. The man is an absolute warrior and an icon. This is your host, Frank Redding, signing off for Ringside with Redding, Boxing History from Yesteryear, brought to you by the Sports History Network. To all my listeners, be healthy, well, and safe. Till next time. Hi, I'm Oz Davis of the True the Goats podcast here at the Sports History Network. I'd like to take a minute to tell you about quite possibly the greatest website of all time, newspapers.com. 
If you're listening to this podcast or any of them at the Sports History Network, you're probably into sports history. And you probably also know that for learning about anything prior to, say, 1990 online, the typical search engines like are nearly completely useless. But then there's newspapers.com. Newspapers.com gives you access to over 640 million pages worth of news from North America, Britain, Ireland, and more, dating from 1798 to last week. Do up a search for Super Bowl One, the 36th Berlin Olympics, Wayne Gretzky's first game, whatever. Newspapers.com takes you there with historical flavor that search engines like just don't give you. And now get a free one-week subscription to Newspapers.com by visiting SportsHistoryNetwork.com slash newspapers. With a paid subscription, you'll also be helping to support the production of this podcast and other Sports History Network shows. That's SportsHistoryNetwork.com slash newspapers. Newspapers.com. Way better for searches than you know what I'm talking about. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Hey there, sports history fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude, and I hope that you enjoyed this recent episode presented by the Sports History Network and were able to learn some good old-fashioned sports history knowledge nuggets. I started the Sports History Network back in 2020 with the mission to help podcasters find a community of like-minded sports history nerds as well as helping aspiring podcasters to start their own shows. We have a little bit over 30 shows on the network right now covering all sorts of sports history, but as far as I'm concerned, we're just at the toothpick in the ocean moment, you know, that can't even figure it out because there's so much more coming. We wanted to create the ultimate headquarters for sports yesteryear starting with Podcast Network and our website, but we're going to continue to move into other mediums as well. And here's the cool part, because we want you to be part of our team. So if you're interested in starting your own podcast, or maybe being a guest on one of our shows, or who knows, maybe even writing an article for us over on the website. Seriously, all you got to do is reach out to us on the contact page over at sportshistorynetwork.com. You can be as technologically savvy as a Neanderthal tapping on a stone trying to figure out this whole hieroglyphics thing back in the day. Again, it doesn't matter, because even if you don't understand the whole podcast space, we have a production team that can pretty much help you out with doing everything. All you got to do, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com, head to the contact page, fill it out. That message goes right to me, and I'll reach out to you as soon as I can. But for now, dude, I'm through if you're through.